Hey, so th- this episode's going to be kind of like a, a Wild West vibe. Mm, okay. Can you guys lean into that maybe really heavy for the intro mm-hmm. when I started off? Yeah. Maybe throw in some, uh, some yeehaws or something. There's a snake in my boot. <laughs> it's perfect. Wait, we let it start right now? No, hold on, Someone's hold on. Someone's poisoned the waterfall. <laughs> hold on. Hey, Cowboys. Welcome to Story Hole. Howdy. My name is Mustang Roger. My name's Rootin' Tootin' Son of a Bitch Ted. (laughs) (laughs) Also, Joey. My name is Rootin' Tootin' Son of a Bitch Jed Jr. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Clementine Baker. (laughs) Get out of my mind. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) Perfect. Hey, uh, do you guys like westerns? (laughs) Uh... Sure do, I reckon. Yeah? How about you, partner? Yeah, sounds good. Uh, would you guys say that you go nuts for, for cowboy butts? Um, I go a tumble tumbleweed for cowboy's knees. <laughs> Kevin, what about you? I, I'm a, I'm solid as a rock for cowboy socks. <laughs> <laughs> cowboy thoughts? Is that what you said? Socks. Oh, cowboy socks. Oh, socks like, you're thinking yeah. about the, the way they think and their beautiful brains. <laughs> yeah. No, socks, because I think that's probably the only possible answer I could have done yeah. to rhyme with rock. Yeah, there's nothing yeah. else. Yeah. Yeah. Finding a cowboy, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. The code of the West. Do you guys feel like you would have you made good cowboys? Yeah, definitely. Um, Undoubtedly. I, I think I would have been good at shooting the old pistol, but aside from that... Yeah, you got a you got a dead eye. I got a dead eye with my, with I think with one a one handed pistol, not a rifle man. I'm a pistol man, mm-hmm. but I don't think I I have the I don't, I'm not I'm not assertive. You know, I would have been the I would have been the, the scared guy, the guy with a few teeth who's like shaking his boots at the old, <laughs> the old prospector. The old, yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm that I'm that guy. But I feel like uh, it's all about having a close relationship with your horse, and that's you for sure, Joey. Oh yeah, You're I would an love to have man. a horse. Yeah, I'm an animal man. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah, I'd, be, I'd fit in good with with a uh, good old speedster. That's his name. That's your horse's name? Yeah. No, no, no. Actually, his name is Onyx, like, but he's a black horse. Uh, and he's, <laughs> also, he's a robot from like, uh, <laughs> Rainbow Bright. <laughs> Rainbow Bright, yeah. <laughs> Kev, I feel like you'd probably be an outlaw, right? See, I was going to go the other way. Not not a law he's man. A, he's one of my in-laws. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm one of Joey's in-laws. I was thinking a, a bounty hunter. I think oh, I maybe. Be, I guess that makes sense yeah. because ah, okay. you're, you're like a good guy, but I feel like you need that adrenaline. So you're going yeah, to live that wild yeah. lifestyle. Yeah. The hunt. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like the hunt. Yeah. Uh, You're telling me. Have you ever seen me with a lasso? Uh, once. Come on. <laughs> Never want to see it again. Yeah. yeah. What's the guy who's like not the sheriff, but he's like some sort of like commissioner or something? There's a guy like that, right? Or like the, the deputy? 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 What is that? What is that? Is that a cop? I don't know what that is. Yeah. I don't know he's, he's just like a cop junior, I think. Cop, cop junior? Yeah. yeah. You're never oh, okay. allowed to shoot him. So it's a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Okay. Um, I would just—I just want to be part of the angry mob that's looking for some vigilante justice, you know? Yeah. Would you bring with you? Uh, the, well, maybe I'd probably just have like a torch in one hand, um, mm-hmm. and then maybe like a one? like a pool noodle, you know? Okay. <laughs> just waving <laughs> it fun. around. Yeah. You, gotta make, you gotta amp up the crowd. Yeah. So you, everybody has like, like a pool, pool noodles like a, at a basketball game. <laughs> uh uh-huh. Nothing gets me going like pool noodles. <laughs> Yeah. Gives me rock hard. I bet it would be fun if you're part of the mob just to be able to yell something funny when you're yeah. really angry. Because everybody's going to be shouting a bunch. No one's going to really hear what you're yeah, saying. Everybody's going to like, string them up. Get the rope. And then you're, you'd probably yell like, Thank God it's Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know she was my sister. Give me the chocolate and no one gets hurt. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, yeah. Good. Was, so today I want to talk about uh, what I think is one of the best representations. Whose spaghetti is this? <laughs> Has anyone seen my spaghetti? <laughs> <laughs> we're together. We're both in the audience. Yeah, that's good. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to talk about what I think is one of the best representations of the Wild West in, in any kind of popular media. Uh, it's a video game called Red Dead Redemption. Did you guys play that? I didn't play it. I was always interested in playing it. It seems really cool. I played it. I played the first one a little bit. It's pretty old now. It was released in like what, like 2010 maybe. Uh, but it's a pretty incredible game in terms of how it captures the atmosphere of the Old West and how it kind of frames that history. It's actually a pretty smart story. It basically sets up the premise on kind of the natural human desire to want to be free and, and lawless and wild versus the desire to want order and safety and security and it's actually like a pretty deep, complex story. Uh, plus, uh, it recently had a sequel released, right? Or I guess it's a, a prequel. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of back in the uh, back in the spotlight. So I thought now would be a good time to take a look at the story from that first game. Cool. So you guys want to saddle up? Yeah. yeah, let's do it. All right, this week's story holes about Red Dead Redemption. Just a quick disclaimer, uh, we're going to stick pretty much exclusively to the lore from the first game, not the new game. So there will probably be some overlap there, but this episode should be pretty much spoiler-free for the new Red Dead Redemption. If you're planning on playing that, don't worry, this isn't going to ruin it. For what it's worth, man, I, I beat it like crazy already. I, you know, I know all the spoilers, I know all the tricks and all the codes. Yeah, I heard you were so, the I just want to yeah, you were the first one to beat it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually have the high score. Uh, it's on the leaderboards um, on this piece of paper. What you put your initials in, ass? Ass. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's B U T as in butt. Get it? Like a Wild West butt. Yeah. A rootin' tootin' butt. Yeah, rootin' toots coming out my butt. Hey, yuck. Man, it's wild in there. This is great. This is good. This is good radio. <laughs> okay, so our story starts at the end of the 19th century. Um, it's 1873, and our story begins with the birth of a man named John Marston. And he's our main cowboy in the story. The birth of a man? <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess he, he comes out a baby. He comes out a cow baby, but he grows into a cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, sorry. So, okay. Um, and his parents are both pretty, pretty rough, pretty terrible. Uh, his dad is a drunk. Uh, and his mother was a prostitute. And there's a pretty good chance that his dad just knocked up a prostitute on an accident. And John's the result. But he never really knew his parents that well anyway. His mom died in childbirth while giving birth to John. So he never really met her. And his father was pretty much absent during his childhood. By the time when John was eight, his dad had drunk himself to death. Mm-hmm. Which made John an orphan. And it forced him into an orphanage at the pretty tender age of eight. And life in that orphanage was tough. It was uh, just a pretty miserable place. So John just kind of bided his time until he was old enough to make a run for it and try surviving in the world on his own. So when he got that opportunity to leave as a teenager, he took it. And he struck off into the world pretty much directionless and alone to try to make a name for himself. Do you know if as a little boy, he like, when you run away from home, or you run away from the orphanage and you're a little boy, do you like steal a horse? Or do you just kind of get up and start running through the desert? I, I mean, I don't know. I think it's probably in a town, right? So you'd probably just head out into town. Yeah, and just kind of go find the next town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There's probably like a dirt path you can follow. <laughs> hey, do you think yeah. there are still orphanages today? I mean, there must be, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. That's weird to think about, though, isn't it? Yes. I mean, <laughs> that people don't have parents in modern times. It's weird to think about, like, <laughs> yeah, is weird. that a real question, Roger? I mean, kind of. 
Haven't you seen Despicable Me? It's about three girls from an orphanage. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, orphanages play such a big part of movies and stories. But have you ever heard of an orphanage in real life? Uh, yeah. God, I love that movie. Those minions are so funny. Yeah. Oh, my God. Those minions. Those yeah. minions are so funny. But nah, nah. I heard that yeah. Roger can get enough of those little guys. <laughs> yeah, I love those little guys. <laughs> can you imagine a Wild West movie with the minions in it? Oh, oh, boy. oh now yeah. you're talking. Oh, my God. <laughs> we got to work on that script. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, okay. But anyway, back to John. Uh, so this teenage John Marston, he's just trying to survive out in the in the hard world on his own. Um, he's definitely struggling. He has no education. He has no life skills, really. No connections, no support. Until he meets a man, an outlaw named Dutch Vanderlind. And Dutch is great. He's a violent criminal, but he's charming and he's intelligent. He's not just some dumb thug. He's this towering figure of a man. And he's got a reason for his criminal lifestyle. Uh, he's got like a, like a vision, a purpose. Because Dutch sees potential in the society of the Wild West. He sees something important in the lawlessness and the chaos. Are you guys familiar with the concept of the noble savage? Do you guys know what that is? No. no. It's an idea that comes out of philosophies from the 1700s. And basically, it says that humanity in its natural state is good. People, by default, are good. It's the unnatural constructs of civilization that make people bad. So stuff like government, regulations, and bureaucracy, and social classes and laws, those are the things that corrupt people. And all the miserable and bad parts of humanity are born from that stuff. So if we can get rid of that stuff and return to a more natural way of living, then we'd be happier and we'd be more true and more virtuous. Do you agree with that personally? Uh, No, not really. I mean, I like the idea of it, but I don't think it's (laughs) – I mean, I think it's also – it's pretty short-sighted, right? I don't know. sounds like there's some good perks to it. Like what? Well, I mean, if I didn't have any of those rules weighing me down, I wouldn't wear any clothes. I would just be kind of a – an animal man running around on all fours and eating <laughs> yeah. fruits. You think you'd be happier that way? Yeah, running around just eating fruits and screaming all the time. I mean, yeah, that's kind of true. I feel like the like the chaos of it seems pretty inviting and fun. Yeah. But how would we – I mean, we wouldn't advance as a species at all, right? Yeah, you're right. I guess I'll put my clothes back on. <laughs> I getting ready. It's getting ready to get wild, but <laughs> I took my shoes off. That's a... oh, yeah. okay. That's fine. All right. So okay, a little. It bit. does feel nice. A little, yeah. <laughs> it's usually the answer is always in the middle, and I think Roger probably found that ground. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just yeah. take our shoes off. You're a good model for for most of things and so. for fashion. I'm a good foot model. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got beautiful so, toes. <laughs> Thank you. I don't, man. My toes are gross little, <laughs> they're gross little beans. <laughs> you know how there's the uh, thing about like kitten paws, how they look like little jelly beans on the pads. Yeah, that's what mine look like—just little pink beans. I know, I've seen. You just have yeah. like it's like a furry like little cylinder down there with a bunch of pink beans on the bottom. Yeah. I like to tickle them when you sleep. <laughs> no. So anyway, uh, that's uh, that's what Dutch is all about. You know, he's opposed to the government. You know, he hates the idea of, of laws and judges and sheriffs dictating what people can and can't do. And he sees the chaotic Wild West as a potential for a society without those things, like a utopia for personal freedom and you know where government and rich people and rules don't exist and where people be happy and good without them. So Dutch's crimes and his, his gang of criminals, they're not just out to get rich off bank robberies and they're not just into violence for violence sake. They're fighting a war against the establishment, you know, against any kind of institution that's trying to be set up in the Wild West. Anything that's trying to control people or threaten their wild nature, they're going to fight it. So they're kind of virtuous in a way. You know, at least they think that they're doing something virtuous. And there's like, there's a, a, a real philosophical basis behind that. I think Batman would probably take issue with it, though. You think so? You think Batman's the opposite yeah. of that? 
I think I think he probably make them his his arch nemesis. Yeah, I guess they they are kind of jokery in a way, huh? Well, well, I mean, it makes sense, right? Because you said so, like uh, so, James is a cowboy, and then Dutch is a cowman. Mm-hmm. It only makes sense that now he's gonna have to fight a Batman. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Bat boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyway, that's Dutch and, uh, and his gang. And that's who a young John Marston meets when he's trying to figure out how to survive. So Dutch basically adopts John into his gang and kind of becomes a father figure to him. He teaches John how to shoot and how to read and how to survive. New dad. And the gang becomes John's new family. And in turn, John becomes an outlaw. Let's talk about another member of Dutch's gang. It's a girl named Abigail. Mm. And Abigail comes from a background a lot like John's, actually. She was an orphan, too. Her parents died, and she grew up in the harsh conditions of an orphanage. And, and like John, she ran away to make it out in the world on her own. And like John, she ended up in Dutch's gang. But Abigail's relationship to the gang is a little different than John's. She's basically the gang's official prostitute. Before she met Dutch or any of the others, she had to fall on prostitution just as a way to make ends meet. And she kind of just continues in that role when she joins the gang. So all the guys just kind of sleep with her whenever they want. But her and John really hit it off. They like legitimately fall in love. They're kind of kindred spirits, right? Yeah. So they end up, they end up together. They end up getting pregnant. John and Abigail have a son together named Jack and they get married. And that's kind of a turning point for John and Abigail because they have a family now. You know, the outlaw lifestyle and the idealistic vision of fighting the establishment, their perspective on all that starts to shift a little bit. But they're still very much part of Dutch's gang. You know, they're still robbing banks and holding up trains and stuff. And they really don't know anything else. That's their whole life. But that doubt's always kind of sitting in their back of their mind. Um, But maybe they should look for a different kind of lifestyle for their son. And then one day, something bad happens. Dutch, John, and some of the other gang members, uh, they plan a heist. There's a train carrying a payroll for the army traveling through the area, and Dutch wants to steal it. Not only does it hurt the military, but it also gives them a bunch of money that they can redistribute to the poor. Part of Dutch's whole thing is that he's kind of like a Robin Hood figure. He wants to take from the rich and give to the poor to make all of society equal so there's no power structure. Cool. Yeah, so they go out for the attack. They ride their horses up, and they jump on the train, and they're expecting some resistance— but there's way more security than they thought there would be. There's a whole mob of guards guarding the train. And in the battle, John gets shot and he falls off the train. And from Dutch's perspective, he just sees John take a bullet and tumble off of the train platform. And he just kind of assumes that John's probably super wounded. He's probably going to die. And things are turning really bad for Dutch and the other guys, too. If they don't get out right then, they're probably going to end up in the same situation. So they jump back on their horses and they ride off. They don't even bother going back to see if John's okay. But John is okay. He didn't die. He survived. And this event really solidifies two things for John. One, he can't keep up this lifestyle. He's got a wife and a child to think about now. And two, the gang left him. He needs to get Heelys. <laughs> yeah, he could have just skated out of that. Yeah, so I, I'm going to take over from the story from you mm-hmm. from here. So now he decides he's going to go back into town and start a new business where he creates the first Healy. Uh, so, you know, he's, but he kind of screws up a little bit and he makes it a little too spiky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't work that well. It doesn't roll very well. So he kicks it to the back of his heel. Boom, he's got spurs. Yeah. Oh, shit. All right. All right. And then after that, after that, then it goes back. I'm going to give it back to you. Then after that. <laughs> okay, thanks. Yeah. Um, the other thing, the third thing that he realizes is that, uh, you know, the gang isn't really his family like he thought they were. They left him for dead. You know, they didn't even try to save him. 
Um, really, at their core, they're just a bunch of selfish criminals, right? Mm-hmm. So John and Abigail and their son, they decide that they're going to leave. You know, they're going to head out and they're going to find a new life. So they do it. They leave the gang and they, they strike out on their own. We catch up to them four years later. John and Abigail are leading a peaceful, happy life together. They're not outlaws or prostitutes anymore. They're just kind of a good, happy, honest family. Until a new group of men show up in town. A group of government lawmen called the Bureau of Investigation. It's basically like the predecessor of the FBI. And they've come looking for John. The Bureau has come to the area to clean it up, to get rid of the outlaws and the wild men, to make room for civilization. They're basically the the exact opposite of everything Dutch and his men stand for. And they've come to John because they know he used to be one of the outlaws, and they figure John is their best bet for catching them. But they also know that John probably won't do this willingly. So they take Abigail and his family, and they tell John that if he wants to see them again, he better cooperate. Wow, that's shitty. (laughs) If he doesn't, he's going to spend the rest of his life in jail for his crimes from his outlaw life. So John really has no choice. He accepts, but he's not hes not really happy about it. Why? Well, I could imagine why. <laughs> the Bureau is kind of, you know, they, they're lawmen, but they're just as they're just as violent and just as sketchy as the outlaws, really, in this story. Fight fire with fire. Yeah, really. So that's John's mission. He has to track down some of the members of his old gang and apprehend them or kill them. So it's the only way he's going to escape jail and get his family back. So John tracks down the first member of his old gang that he's charged with apprehending. It's a guy named Bill Williamson. And in the time that he's been away, Bill left Dutch's gang to start his own. They've made their home base in an old abandoned military fort from the Mexican-American War, which is a pretty good, a pretty good home base for a bunch of outlaws. It's a full-on army fort. So John's got to figure out a way to raid that fort. And he's not going to be able to do that on his own. So he's got to put together a team. Um, there's three men in his team. Uh, and I want you guys to pick which one you want to be. I'm going to give you the names, okay? Yes. All right. Uh, the first guy is Nigel West Dickens. Ooh. The second one is Seth. Just Seth. Seth. Yeah. And the third one is Irish. Irish. Do you guys want to pick Irish. which one you want to be? Dibs on Irish. Joe, you're Irish? Yeah. Oh, man. And I, I have equal passion for the other two. Seth and Nigel West Dickens. <laughs> I love that his name is just Seth. And I also love that Nigel West Dickens is so intentional about his name while the others are not. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Seth. Okay, um, cool. <laughs> I don't want to derail you, but I do want to think about I – want, I wanted to uh, bring up something about um, – how, how does one go about making a gang or making a group? You know, like – I'm going to break off from my successful Dutch gang and I'm going to go start off, start the Billy boys. And I want, <laughs> this sounds like a, like a, like a nineties movie about creating a sports team where like you go like, yeah. Oh, hey, I need, I need Tubsy from over there. And I need, <laughs> I need fast, fast fist Jeffy. It's like putting together the soccer team. Yeah. And it seems like a weird choice. If you already had a good gang with, with Dutch, why not just stay there? I mean, I guess probably cause he wanted to be, you know the 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 boss. Yeah, he wanted to be the the top dog. Yeah, he wanted to be a cowman too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, makes sense. All right, so yeah, so Irish checking in. <laughs> and Kev, you're you're Seth. Hi, I'm Seth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Joe, you're Irish. Uh, Irish is from Ireland. Um, and he's just kind of a drunk mess, um, <laughs> but he does own a Gatling Sweet. gun, so that's pretty cool. Wow! <laughs> and Kev, you're Seth. Ooh, what do I get? What do I get? <laughs> Seth is a gross old prospector that doesn't have a lot of teeth. He's a really bad prospector, so he spends most of his time robbing graves and looking for treasure. So right. that's you. <laughs> I was pretty close with my impression off the bat. Though. I like that guy. Your voice, yeah, your voice is on. Yeah, it's actually yeah. spot on. 
Um, Nigel West Dickens, on the other hand, he's a he's like a con artist. He's like a like a snake oil salesman who travels town to town tricking customers into buying his his cheap junk. But Nigel, he's got a stagecoach and he's plated that stagecoach with armor in case any unhappy customers come after him. I like this. So that's the team that John puts together. Uh, So the plan is. Here's the plan. Nigel, we're going to use his stagecoach, uh, and we're going to try to drive the stagecoach into the fort somehow. Uh, Joey, we're going to need your Gatling gun mm-hmm. in the stagecoach. We're going to hide it inside and then pull it out at the last minute. Uh, I'm ready. I- <laughs> Kev, you're just going to be the distraction. You're a gross old man, so if you can figure out a way to sneak into the fort and distract <laughs> everybody, that's going to give us an opportunity to, to drive this, the armored stagecoach. Yeah, I feel like I know... I mean, it's very clear why why I was picked for this job. <laughs> What's such an important member? What's your angle, Kev? What are you going to do to distract them? I would. I mean, the obvious choice is you just strip down for yeah. sure. Uh-huh. Um, put a gun in your mouth. They're not going to be put expecting that. Yeah. You wander in there and you're stripping. <laughs> In the song, it goes like, I know what boys like. I know what boys mean. I love that. I definitely wait until I'm in the base to start stripping while I'm trying to run in the base. Just pulling off your like your like long underwear onesie with a butt yeah, flap. And the flap. Yeah, I forgot to. I pinned only one side up when I was done yeah. last time. <laughs> so just your old butt <laughs> hanging out, and you're doing like the little coy, like your your hand is yeah. above your mouth, going. <laughs> I like that a lot. They probably have some dogs in there, and they are chasing me, and they get a hold of it. <laughs> they pull it down. They're pulling at it, and I give kind of like a little coy look over my shoulder. Oh my gosh, yeah. that's so funny. I like the the idea that 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 song was it the waitresses it didn't exist yet so it was probably like him just singing it yeah. like I know what boys like I know what boys want <laughs> okay sorry uh, okay I'm back well here's the thing it works perfectly uh-huh. they're so distracted wow. that we drive our stagecoach in <laughs> we pull off the cover there's a gatling gun on top. Uh, the, the only bummer, uh, Joey, you didn't show up. <laughs> you were too busy uh, getting drunk and sleeping with a prostitute, so you don't come until the very end. But John's able to handle it. He fires up the gatling gun, and he just destroys the whole gang, just mows them down. But there's some bad news. The leader of the gang, Bill, the one that, that John is after, he's not even there. He's fled down to Mexico. So John is forced to chase him down to Mexico, and eventually he catches up with them. And when John confronts Bill, um, he's planning on just taking him in and bringing him back to the bureau. And Bill pretends to surrender, but pulls a really jerk move. And at the last minute, he pulls out his pistol and he tries to get the drop on John. But John's too fast. He's forced to kill him. So Bill's dead. That's that's rude. Yep, very rude. (laughs) And with that, there's only one guy left before John is off the hook and he's able to get his family back. He's got to go catch Dutch. Wait, so John only had to go after two guys? Yeah, technically three, but the third one's pretty boring, so I left it out. <laughs> okay. Can we get his name? No, I forgot it. Uh. Oh, okay. Slimy, slimy Sal. He just yeah, slimy like, Sal. lays on a bench. Yeah. Yeah, the whole, the whole Mexico part is actually pretty long, um, but it, yeah, I kind of skipped over that. It seems a little out of place in the in the overall narrative. Yeah. So he's got to go after Dutch. And in the time since John left Dutch's gang, there's been some changes. All the old members of his gang have either retired or just become disillusioned with the whole thing and quit uh, or they've died. 
but not Dutch. He's the only one that's left. And he's still as committed to his cause as ever. So he's built himself a new gang. And it's a gang of Native Americans that hate the encroaching white society just as much as Dutch does. So he has this whole group of like young Native Americans that just hate white European society, which is kind of a cool concept. You know, everyone in Dutch's old gang became disillusioned with the whole deal and the whole like idea of a wild utopia. But that's something that he finds kind of a kindred spirit in with the indigenous people that have suffered the most from the changes brought by by civilization, by white European culture. And this new gang the Dutch has is super good. And they're so good at fighting society and government and establishment that the army has been called in to deal with them. So the army is launching an attack on Dutch's home base. And John's there and he's going to try to apprehend Dutch. So while the army is battling the gang, John chases Dutch. And Dutch runs up to the top of a snowy cliff. So they have their final confrontation kind of on the edge of this cliff with the snow blowing. And Dutch is wounded. He's been shot in the stomach. So it's probably a mortal wound. It's not looking too good. He's got his back up to a cliff and John has him trapped. So he's pretty much out of options. And it's a real tense moment. John doesn't want to kill Dutch. Dutch was basically the only father figure he's ever known. And Dutch knows that he can't fight his way out of this one. But also, Dutch just can't surrender. It goes against everything he stands for. And here, at the end, Dutch reflects on what he's done with his life. He realizes that all the violence and death and chaos that he caused, he did it with what he thought was a virtuous goal. He was trying to help society, help humanity, but it didn't change anything. He didn't stop the advancement of civilization from coming in and taking over. All he did was cause pain, and the ends that would have justified those means just never came. At the same time, he couldn't stop himself. You know, he talks about how he couldn't give up on his goal because it had become who he was. It was so deeply ingrained in his identity that he had no choice. He couldn't fight his own nature any more than he could stop society. And with that sad realization, Dutch chooses to die. He tells John that their time has passed, meaning that the wild days of the Old West are dead and the advancement of civilization has killed them. And he couldn't save them. So with that, Dutch leans back off the cliff and falls to his death. And now John's done. You know, the two main figures of uh, Dutch's old gang are now dead. John has held up his end of the deal with the Bureau of Investigation. And the Bureau, in return, releases his family. Uh, you know, I was telling you that I already beat the, the new one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I still have the highest score for the old one. And I got a secret ending. Oh, shit. Um, so this whole time that John was, you know, working on his, you know, his whole Healy business, uh, <laughs> Dutch was actually supporting him. He was wearing disguises, going in and kept buying oh, different types of pairs, all sorts of things. What a good dad. Yeah, he's a great dad. And so when he jumps off the cliff, he he actually was wearing the prototype for the common, the, the new Healy that you guys know today that's in stores. Did he did he um, grind down the cliff? He did. And he survived oh just God. like his son did when he, uh, when he <laughs> fell off that train the first time. You know, and, and yeah. you know, he said, he said, like, like son, like father, I reckon. It must be in the jeans, right? What's in the shoes, Roger? <laughs> and then he, he just skated away. That's incredible. What did you do after that? Oh, that's like the end of it. So there's like a really beautiful cut scene with the sunset and, uh, and him just, just healing off yeah. into the sunset. Yeah. He just, he never stopped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does he do like a cool like jump a at the end? Yeah. And there's like a kind of a yeah. team rocket little bing in the yeah. distance. And it's pretty, it's pretty cool. That's incredible. Yeah, not no one else got to see that ending though, because you know high score and all. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. then, then after that, it goes back. You know, if you didn't get that ending, then it has the this is the ending that you get. Yeah, there's a there's an epilogue at the very end. Yeah, um, and in that epilogue, uh, John is back with his family. He's back at home, and Abigail's there, and his son is there, uh, and everything's great. John's finally put all that old business behind him, and they're they're back to their peaceful life. 
But for the Bureau, there's still one loose end, one more of Dutch's outlaws that still survives. John. It's John. The Bureau was never going to let John go. He's an outlaw. He's a remnant of the lawless past, right? And their whole thing is that they want to wipe that from existence. They were just using him as a tool until it's time to clean him up too. So in a surprise attack, they raid his house with Abigail and his son inside and they're just firing at the house and shooting it up. And John is able to hold them off long enough to get his family to safety, but he can't stop them. There's just way too many of them. So in a final valiant last stand, they shoot him a whole bunch of times and, uh, and he dies. That's the officially the end of the era of the outlaws. And that's the story of Red Dead Redemption, which I think is kind of it's kind of neat, right? It's neat how it frames yeah. it frames the old west around like a battle between people that want to be free and wild and lawless and then people that want order and, and structure and safety. That's great. So sad here in the end of that there and it's like man, it ends on a sour note, but I don't know what I was expecting. I know how the how the story ends. Yeah. Because yeah. John's because John's not alive today. Is that what you mean? Yeah, John died <laughs> a long time ago. Yeah. Hey, which which side of that of that battle do you think you guys would be on? Are you wild and lawless, or do you want like order and structure? I mean, in my heart, I'm wild and lawless, but I know that I'm, I'm a tracky finster. We've gone over this. I, I'm 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 order. I'm safe. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, although th- those guys are pricks, I don't want to be part of their team. Yeah. I'm gonna, I don't know. I feel like uh. Well, they're both. I mean, both sides are kind of pricks because. The outlaw, Dutch's outlaw group, they just kill people all the time, like innocent people. Uh, But it's always kind of with the means of, of, you know, sowing that chaos for a more utopian society. But they like shoot innocent women in the head and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'd probably be one of those women. I'd be an extra, I think. (laughs) Uh, That or uh, the idea of being part of the the Native American tribe, that sounds That's the way to go for sure because they're the most justified, right? They're just victims in this and they're fighting back to try to protect their own culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're the best for sure. They're the best. Does Abigail help fight in that last part? Um, do you think? No, no, she just has to get out with. Uh, yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense base. to protect the. I like the idea because you know she's she's rooting tooting too. She's tough. She's tough. Yeah, uh-huh. that's what it sounds like all the characters sound like they're really cool, and the growth sounds pretty sweet too. Uh, for for yeah. the, for the characters, having not finished that game, I can see why people loved it for all these years. Yeah, yeah, and then the new one that just came out as a prequel, so it kind of goes into the days during Dutch's gang. So we see like. Uh, what life was like for John and Abigail during that period, which is probably great. Yeah, that's cool. We'll have to come back and revisit that. Yeah, they're also working on another one that's even before that one. Oh, really? When he's when he's a child? Uh huh. A cow baby? Yeah, yeah. When he's a cow baby, and then when he's a cow youth, um, <laughs> uh, and it goes over like you know when he escapes the orphanage and whatnot. So it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty good so far. I haven't beaten it yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do they send you advanced copies of the game because they know that you're going to be the first anyway? Oh, yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. And they, I'm also a consultant at this point because I know the most <laughs> about Wild West video games because yeah. I have the high score and the big best two. Yeah. Kind yeah. of a cowboy expert, huh? Yeah. You, hey, can you can you give us a cowboy fact? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, uh, so um, here's the thing is that if you get two male uh, cows together, two bulls, mm-hmm. uh, they, they can't produce offspring. Oh, really? What? Yeah, so you're going to need – like a, a like a bull and a and a and a girl cow or a, I think it's a, a heifer was what we call them in in the industry. So a cowboy and a cowgirl yeah. is yeah, what you're cowboy, saying. Cowboy cowgirl. You, okay. you put them in the pen. Let them let just get let, let them get all wild and see what happens. <laughs> let them get all slippery in and there, then, huh? Yeah. Um, and then also, if you feed them, uh, then the or if you feed the babies, they grow faster. Oh really? Um, yeah. Like in Minecraft. And, 
Yeah, yeah, that's actually where most of my information is coming from. So, hey, did yeah. you know that girl cows just have one boob, and it's between their back legs? It's got little fingers on it. What? Yeah, it's called a it's called a moob. <laughs> <laughs> that's another cow fact. <laughs> Good. Do you guys have anything? Uh, anything else you'd like to add? Yeah, I want to do one more thing. This is a cool. This is a cool new segment where we, we do. We go cow fact, fact, fact. <laughs> <laughs> oh hey um should we give some shout outs to people hey, that pays for horses <laughs> sorry <laughs> should, what should we read some comments of uh stuff that was left for us on our itunes mm-hmm. yeah um we have one we have one let me open it up right here really quick all right uh so we got we got two comments on our itunes um and we promised last week that if anybody leaves a comment on our itunes page We'll read it verbatim, no matter how terrible it is. So if you have anything you'd like us to read, uh, just go ahead and leave it on our iTunes page. So this is from Mac and Ollie. Um, it says, if you were to be given corn nuts as a trick-or-treat candy, would that mean individually wrapped packages or like a handful of loose corn nuts from the big bowl? I'm imagining Cool Ranch barbecue picante all sort of mixed together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we yeah, actually, got it right. We got to answer that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a, it is, yeah, big old potato sack just full of loose corn nuts and <laughs> just a burlap sack yeah. full. And when I yeah. scoop them out, I use my hands, and since I have sweaty hand disease, oh my gosh, <laughs> you're gonna get all sorts of yuck all over it. Sorry, yeah. Mac and Ollie. You put that in a tinier sack that you do the drawstring shut on, and you toss it at the kid's feet, and you say, yeah. "This should cover it, kid." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It should mean you slam the door in his face. Yeah, tight back to the western. Yeah, that's good. I like the idea of just taking a big old swig of my 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 brew and going and just wiping it off of my fist. I just did mm-hmm. that gesture. You can't see it on the radio. And then maybe you spit a corn nut into a spittoon. Yeah. What kind of noise would that make you think? Uh, it goes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got a second comment. Uh, this one, the title of it says, "Hi, Roger and Kevin. It's me, Joey, uh, and it's from Joey." It says, <laughs> "It says I enjoy this because I'm on it. Please give me a shout out. Also, I'm at Coco's right now. <laughs> I forgot that I was. <laughs> I was at Coco's. It was delicious. Did you go to Coco's by yourself? That's, I, that's, I do everything by myself. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I'm all for I'm all for going out to eat by yourself too. But yeah. Coco's in particular seems like seems like a sad experience by by your lonesome. It wasn't pleasant. <laughs> Actually, it was. And everybody yeah. and, the, and the wait staff was delightful." So this turns into a, a new shout out to Coco's. Yeah, Coco's where the food goes. <laughs> I mean, Joey, you know I've gone to Coco's a couple times, and I've uh-huh. never enjoyed the food, but I've always enjoyed the atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. I've enjoyed your company. Yeah, yeah, I'll go anywhere with you. Yeah, I love you like a friend. <laughs> I've always thought of you as a friend. What's Co- what's Coco's? Coco's is like a, it's like an old person diner. Oh. Do you know like Caro's? No. Or I know what a diner's like though. I mean it's basically like a lesser Denny's. It's an old person's Denny's. It's it's Denny's without the rock and roll atmosphere, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's definitely not Denny's at nighttime, which is more like a nightclub atmosphere now. Uh, but yeah, check <laughs> yeah. it out. Coco's. Where the food goes. Coco's.com. Do they have Grand Slams? No, the, there they have some. It's called uh, a no. What's it called? Touchdown? I don't know. Granny Slam. Hey, Granny Slam is good. Yeah. Maybe you should work there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Coco's, where the Kevs go. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, great. Uh, hey, if anybody wants to contact us, uh, you can find us on Instagram at Storyhole Podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Or on Twitter at Storyhole Podcast One. I think it's just Storyhole One. Storyhole One. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> but, yeah, don't even worry about it. We've also never tweeted anything, so <laughs> don't even worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how to. I don't know really how to tweet. I don't know what Twitter is. People say Twitter, and I, I just thought that was a good thing to have. Yeah. yeah. So we'll read it. But I don't know how we'll read it. We don't want to, though. Yeah. Uh, but you can send us an email um, at storyholepodcast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. We'll read those. I like getting those ones. Those are fun. Yeah, those are fun. Yeah, those are yeah. very fun. Um, and if you get a chance to leave a rating or a review on iTunes, that'd be great for us. And maybe if you get a chance, tell uh, tell tell your mom. Tell your mom or your dad about our podcast. Don't tell on us, though. Don't tell Don't like tell don't on us. Don't tattle. Tell them about it. Don't tell <laughs> yeah. on us. Don't, to don't be a snitch. Yeah, yeah no tattling. Actually, you know what? Tell on me. <laughs> yeah, you need. I've been a bad boy. <laughs> um, actually, um, while we're at it, can you tell on me too, please? <laughs> Don't tell on me that. Please. <laughs> um, uh, I, I have a thing, and maybe we can cut this out or not, but um, I want to make pins. And uh, I think oh, I'm, yeah. doing, I'm working on some designs right now. And uh, once the three of us kind of approve of one, I'm going to get 100 of them made. And then the first hundred people that send us comments and things like that, I'm going to send them to you if you if you feel comfortable giving us your address. So I like that. Um, That's cool. Yeah. So if you want to get in, get an early early access, you want to beta <laughs> beta test uh, yeah. our podcast, beta test our merchandise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then uh, then 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 get on in and get. <laughs> That's cool. I like the idea. I didn't finish the sentence. Get on in and get up. A pin, a pin, <laughs> uh, not a pen, a pin, a pin. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. Bye. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.